0: Morning. Um, Bishop Felix Malpica, thanks for having me here. Uh, to be able to celebrate 150 years, to celebrate a baptism, to celebrate the Reformation, we've got a lot of celebrating to do uh, today. Um, and and this scripture from Jeremiah is really interesting. Uh, and I think it's it's important to look at the scripture in the context of the whole book. Um, so in case you're not familiar, you know, uh, with 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 the story of Jeremiah, let me fill fill in those gaps. So in general, it's the story of a prophet who's struggling um, to speak truth to power, to to shine a light on what's happening, and it it happens right before what's called the Babylonian exile, right? There's this big bad empire that's working its way across the world, and it's about to take over uh, um, Israel, and as as that's happening Jeremiah is saying look Israel this impending doom is coming and i think it has something to teach us because i think we've lost our way is what Jeremiah is saying we've lost our way and and we've broken our covenant with god we had this new relationship with god that we said we were going to be god's people we were going to demonstrate what god's love on earth looks like what, what justice looks like, what, what, what it actually means to see one another through the lens of God's love, to care for one another, to make sure that we take care of the most vulnerable. And instead of doing that, what's happened is, well, there's been this kind of divide between classes, that there are those who have, and they have a lot. They have a lot of wealth. They have a lot of food. They have wonderful homes, ivory beds. And, and Jeremiah looks at them and says, look, you have everything, and there's this wonderful elite class, but look at all of these other people who are suffering, who don't have enough, who are hungry, who are struggling to find places to be, who don't feel safe. And it all comes down to this idea that, well, sure, inside the church we all worship God, and, and, and we say the right things, but then we go out into the world, and we live a completely different life. And that's just not the way to do life. And, and Jeremiah speaks out to them and says, if we keep living this way, life's going to get a whole lot worse. And eventually, Babylon comes in uh, and, and takes over and tears apart the empire, and, and Jeremiah says, well, I told you. I told you bad times were coming Um, and in the middle of that I think Jeremiah realizes there's a need for a word of hope at when people are broken down, families have been broken apart, people are feeling alone, people are feeling tired, they're wondering, will there ever be another good day left? We had these wonderful days before. Is there hope for the future? They're at their wits' end. And in the middle of that kind of feeling of despair is where this uh, call comes, this little word of hope. And this word of hope says, now look, I know that you didn't do life the way you were supposed to. But God's going to do a new thing. God's going to make a new covenant. And a covenant is really, it's a relationship. It's a brand new relationship that's going to be formed. And that brand new relationship... Uh, it's going to be so internalized that, that God will love you, you will love God, and we won't need to do this anymore. We won't need to teach each other anymore. We won't need to go to Sunday school anymore. We won't need to have Bible studies anymore. We won't even need worship anymore because we'll just live as people of God, and it will exude everything that we do. Um, and as I was reading, I was like, well, is that real? <laughs> It doesn't look like it. It doesn't feel like it quite yet. Jeremiah, what happened? What happened to this promise? I mean, if this promise is true, then, well, here we are, several thousand years later, and it sure sounds like we're still in the same mess. We do a really good job of coming into this place and talking the right talk making the right promises, saying who we are as children of God, that we will welcome all, that we will be a united community that will go out and serve our neighbors. But then as soon as we leave this room, life gets a lot harder. And and there are other things at play, and it gets really messy. It gets really difficult. But I think it's important to go back to that word covenant. Covenant. And how God says, you know, I I was their husband. I think marriage is a really good way to look at this. Uh, Because when you get together for a marriage, you get together and you make a covenant. You make these promises. You get in front of your community and one another and you say, we will love each other. And we will love each other through thick or thin, through rich or poor, through better and worse. And you say those promises, well, because you need them, because it's not automatic because it requires work, and you got to hold each other up, and, and you make those promises wanting it to be true, but they don't just automatically come true. Uh, a marriage doesn't just automatically work. Um, it, it requires work. You got to do your part. Uh, one, of the, one of the best things I ever heard is like, if you want to stay married for a long time, make sure that you always date each other. Right? you got to put in the work, because when you're dating, you're trying to do the work of saying, hey, I'm worth it. You're trying to do the work to say, hey, I love you, remember? You're trying to do the work to say, hey, we're in this together, and then all of a sudden you get married, you make these promises, some people let go and say, okay, we've done the work. Like, no, that's not the way it works. you gotta keep, You got to keep doing it. you got to stay in it. you got to strive to do that work, and it's the same with our relationship with God. we got to do the work the work of what it means to actually welcome all, which I love that flip that you guys did. Instead of all are welcome, which can be very passive, you could put it on your church outside and say, all are welcome, and then you just don't do anything else. Just let people walk in as they will. But when you flip it, you're taking on that promise now. You're saying we have to do the work Uh, to see what it means to actually welcome all. What Can we open up our eyes and see, is there something here about us, about this room, about this space, about what we say, what we do, um, that is preventing somebody from feeling welcome? It's like like inviting somebody over for dinner, and you say, yeah, yeah, come on over for dinner, and then they show up, and you say, wait, but actually I forgot to buy the food. Would would you go out and buy the food for me? (laughs) And then they come back, and like, sure, but actually, I don't really know how to cook this meal. Would you cook it for me too? <laughs> That's not welcoming, right? You got to do the work here. You got to do your groceries. You got to get the meal ready. You got to set the table. And you got to open up your eyes to see what does it really mean to do that? Because the church has been around for 150 years, and we thank God for the work uh, uh, that people have done of uh, setting the table for one another. And now we have to look ahead and say, what does it mean to set the table for those who aren't here yet? for the generations that are yet to come. And once they do come, once they do come to that table, what does it mean to be community? What does it mean to support one another? What does it mean for the Holy Spirit to bring together this group of people to help each other live into these promises, live into the covenant, to actually give each other glimpses of God's kingdom? which is a place where there is peace and love and justice for all. What does it mean that when we get together, we talk about the difficulty of, of doing anti-racist work? That when we come together and say, okay, there is, there is a lot of struggle out in the world. Just like in the Babylonian Empire, they were struggling. We are struggling in a world where there are people who are worth less. Where this, this country has struggled for hundreds of years, placing people in a caste system and putting them lower down on the chain while the very few stay up at the top? What does it mean that when we get together, we lift up the fact that, um, well, climate has changed, and we've had something to do with it? And what does it mean for us to live as people of God and actually take the promise seriously that we're partners with God? taking care of this planet? What does it mean that when we gather together as community, we lift up the fact that we need to look at the world through the eyes of God's love and see creation is mourning. It's burning. It's drowning. There's that relationship has been affected by us, and, and now we have to do something to respond. And so that third movement comes, that as we make this promise to come together, to do, make a space where we can have these difficult conversations, make a space where we can give each other the tools and equip each other to do this difficult work, then we have to actually go out there and do it. That as we are church as this church has been gathered for 150 years, and if we want it to continue for another 150, that work of being church needs to not just happen in this room. It needs to go outside of these walls. And not just to go outside of these walls and continue to be church, but, but to have it infuse every part of your entire being. I love that part of the scripture where it says, It will be written in your heart, not, not just. Um, It's written in your entire self, right? That as you go out to do whatever it is that you do, to be a student, to be a parent, to be a co-worker, uh, to, to, to go to any part of the world that you go outside of these walls, when you do that, you do that as a child of God. And when you engage the world as a child of God, you do so differently. You do so with an open heart. You do so with vulnerability. You do so with eyes to see those who are on the periphery. And when we do that, God will delight when we are creators of justice and joy, compassion, and peace. Yes, God will delight. When we are creators of justice, justice and joy. When we make this relationship real, when we finally do our part to say yes to God's covenant, God's heart will delight. It will be so filled with joy because God will finally look as a loving parent when the kid finally does what they're supposed to do, you know, and you smell like, oh, They were listening. (laughs) I haven't just been talking to myself this whole time. They're finally doing their part. And look, oh, we can rejoice. This world is so much easier. right? Life at home can be so much more fun. I I tell my four-year-old all the time, listen, what I'm telling you is not just to tell you, but we can have more fun together. We can can have more fun together if you actually take a nap. Why won't you do it? (sighs) And some days are rough, you know, (laughs) it just won't, just won't take that nap. But finally that day comes and God will delight. Isn't that great? And we can go out, we can enjoy the world, and we can see the world with fresh eyes. And the beautiful thing that happens when God delights, when we delight, when that relationship is in its fullness, and it fills us up. And it fills us up so much that we can't help but let it pour out from us. And it impacts everywhere we go. And then people might start asking the question, what's going on? What's wrong with these people? Why are they so happy? Why are they so joyous? Where do they get all of this energy in the middle of a pandemic to keep working for justice, to lift up the environment, to keep extending themselves out for one another? How do they do it? And then we point to Christ, because that's why we're all here, because the love of God and Christ Jesus, our Lord, brings us together in such a way, empowers us in such a way that God will delight when we are creators of justice. Because this amazing God chose not to stay far away, but God chose to come close near to you and me, to walk alongside us, beside us, and to show us a different way of being, and we carry that into the world, knowing that God will not remember our sins, but that our relationship will be made whole. That no matter how far away you may feel like you have gone from God, you might find yourself right now saying, okay God, this pandemic's gone on far enough, where are you? i I don't know if I have enough energy to keep being a good parent, to keep doing my job well, to keep going to school well. (sighs) I need you to show up. And guess what? God has. God did, and God will continue to show up in your life. And that's why we do this. We get together in this room. We worship every single week to remind each other that God has shown up, that God will continue to show up. And we do that for one another it's wonderful that we have a baptism happening today because that's what that sacrament is all about. It's this reminder that God shows up in your life. And once and forever, you get to point back to that and say, see, I have a promise. God promised that God would be a part of my life forever. And it happened there in those waters. And we get to make a promise too. You all are making promises to say that we are going to make sure you remember that. We are gonna make sure that you remember that God continues to show up in your life. And as church, as people of God, we make promises. And we make that relationship true. We make this covenant a reality. And now, we rest. We rest in the palm of God's hand, knowing that God is the one doing the work, and we get to come along for the ride. And, And we hope, we hope that we can let God delight when we are creators of justice, because God has shown up, God is here for you, and now it's up to us to continue that work in the world for the sake of one another and for the glory of God. Amen.